Welcome to Evidence for Faith. It's your host, Michael Lane, and welcome back to our study on why are there so many translations. And today, we're going to be looking at a ninth translation. This one is called the Christian Standard Bible. The Christian Standard Bible. And it's a, a more modern translation, as we're going to get into this. But you'll find this as being a pretty good translation. This, Even though in some circles, people have never heard of this one. Um, which is sort of sad. It's not a bad translation, but we'll get into the problems and and um, unique features of this in a few moments. What I'd like to do is, as we have with all the other lessons, I want to begin by reading Psalm 23. Most people are familiar with this psalm, and let's take a look at how the translators of the Christian Standard Bible put together Psalm 23 from the ancient manuscript. So it reads... Uh, given a title here, The Good Shepherd, of Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me lie down in green pastures. He leads me besides quiet waters. He renews my life. He leads me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Only goodness and faithful love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord as long as I live. So that is the uh, 23rd Psalm according to the Christian Standard Bible. And as I say, this is a newer translation. Um, it first came out in 2017, but the one I just read you is the 2020 version. And it's very easy to understand. As you caught this, it was uh, taking some of the other words that we've seen in some of the word for words um, and put it into an easier meaning. So this is written, as I've run readability tests on this, it comes out to be about a seventh grade reading level. So uh, seventh grade we're right in the middle of middle school here, so it's it's a very easy text to read if you're dealing with, uh, if you're involved in junior high or middle school ministry. This is a, um, an, a translation they would easily be able uh, to understand. Now, what was the purpose? Why? As I love this uh, as we look at these different translations. What was the purpose of making this? Why did why do the editors and stuff feel like, okay, we need another translation because there's not enough out there? Well, what it was, we got to go back a little bit in history. Back in 2010, the Holman Publishing Company, now that's a Baptist publishing company, they decided to revise and update and make a translation of their own. And it's called the Holman Christian Standard Bible. The Holman Christian Standard Bible. And they did this in 2010. And um, it, it was an, um, their purpose was to make an optimal equivalent translation. Now, we've covered this before. Optimal means that it's sort of in between. If you put a draw a line um, on the left side being maybe what we would call formal, that's a word-for-word -word translation. On the extreme right would be more like a, um, a dynamic, which is a thought-for-thought -thought translation. This falls like in the middle. 
So it's both formal and at the same time, it's dynamic in some of its passages. So um, to do this, they, they wanted to make this translation very popular um, and very accurate, but they wanted to make it readable. So they went to this uh, dynamic um, type of translation in certain sections. They don't tell you when it's taking place like that, but that's what they've done. They wanted to make, um, they also wanted to do, and as they made the Christian Standard Bible, they wanted to get rid of the word or the title Holman. Um, they, it's no longer, I mean, it's basically the same thing. The old one was the Holman Christian Standard Bible. Now it's just called the Christian Standard Bible. And like I say, that was because Holman is a Baptist publishing company, produces a lot of uh, religious materials and stuff. So what was it translated from? How did they do it? There were 10 individuals serving on a translation oversight committee. Added to this, now it just wasn't 10 people. You might be worried, ooh, only 10 people worked on this. No, there were over 130 other scholars that were consulted or actually reviewed this, uh, and they encompassed 21 different denominations. So unlike how when it was first made in the Holman uh, Christian Standard, the Christian Standard Bible, this new one in 2020, they tried to make this more um, acceptable to other denominations. Now, this, uh, what did they translate from? They, they studied the Nestle Aland Novum Testamentum uh, Graeca, the 28th edition. Now, many translation or many, many different Bible committees have used the same thing. They also used the United Society's Greek New Testament 5th edition. Um, not everybody uses that one, but it's, it's still considered a very accurate Greek translation. They also, um, for the Old Testament, they used the Biblia Hebraica, one we've seen so many times. But this one is the fourth edition, the Stuttgart, um, I always have problems saying this city from Germany, the Stuttgartensia, um, the Biblia Hebraica Stuttgartensia, fourth edition. So there were some different ones that you see. But still, still yet, these are all very, very old, old um, manuscripts and are very trustworthy. So there's no problems that I can see from what they translated from. So the unique features, what, what makes this Bible different than some of the others? Well, as I said, from what we've studied so far, we've come across very few that are both um, a combination of a word for word and a thought for thought, what we call an optimal equivalence. Um, this is one that this was their claim. This is what their purpose was, was to make an optim, uh, optimal equivalent Bible. So that's unique. And from what we've seen in some of the other translations we've covered, editors tried to avoid being unnecessarily specific in passages where the original content did not exclude females in refer, uh, referring to gender. So they didn't want to offend any any genders um, in um, in reading this, because there are many verses that just will use the term man uh, or for mankind, which sort of excludes women and, in, in, you know, the way some people read it, but it actually encompasses them. Well, they're trying to be a little bit, um, uh, trying to avoid this type of problem. Uh, they also tried to um, stay away from any personal bias as they translated from the ancient manuscripts into English. So that was a major attempt that they had to try to remove personal bias, trying to get, like I say, as the Holman Christian Standard, the first version came out, it was 
in some cases a little slanted. At least people saw it very slanted. So they tried to really make an effort to make this um, that their personal bias did not come out on things. Editors tried to make the meaning of the original word of God as clear as possible to the reader. In other words, you're taking these ancient languages and you're trying to put it into modern English, but but what the goal here was, was to do this on a lower readability, as we've seen. Some of these uh, word-for-word translations are written on the collegiate, uh, collegiate reading level. Well, they wanted something that middle school could read. And that was one of the primary purposes of putting this translation together. Now, in doing so, this causes a few problems. Uh, the Christian Standard Bible, on occasion, substitutes words uh, from the original text and tries to give a more modern meaning to help people understand it. And this is due uh, mainly due to the desire to make an optimal equivalent translation. That's why they're doing this. So it, you can't go exactly word for word a lot of times because there's not a really good word in English to describe this unless you're on the collegiate level. So they had to do some tweaking a bit. Uh, this, though, led and can lead to, without trying to do it, it can lead to some bias of the editors because what they're doing is they're trying to figure out, okay, what is God trying to say here? And in doing so, they're putting in, to make it in a lower reading level, they try to put it into, into uh, the meaning of God's text. So you get a little bit of bias anytime that you're going to do, um, you know, you start going thought for thought or uh, dynamic in the way that you translate. So instead of relying particularly right on the words themselves, they did this, and in doing so, you have some bias, whether you want it or not. Now, this does not um, make a translation bad. No, by no means. Um, but because what happens is this makes this translation more readable than a formal translation. That was their goal, if you'll recall. Um, because over half of the translation committee, oversight committee that put this thing together were Baptists, this version still I know they don't like this, but this version is still, as I've heard it many times myself, referred to as the Baptist Bible. It was something they tried to get away from when they had the name Holman attached to it. It's still used in a lot of Baptist churches today. Um, and another thing that didn't help them in this, that they did not utilize any Arminians, such as Nazarenes, Pentecostals, etc., in their uh, oversight committee. So they sort of kept it all Calvinistic in, in a lot of ways, um, or not totally Calvinistic, but many of them are swayed that way in, in their thinking. And so because of this, um, certain groups of Methodists, Nazarenes, Foursquare, um, Pentecostals, et cetera, they, uh, the charismatic churches and stuff, they, they do not really uh, recommend this one. So um, it's, it's interesting how we get so petty on certain things like that. But let's get to a piece of doctrine here. As we have in all these translations, and we'll continue to do, we're going to read Titus chapter 2, 11 through 13. Now, this is a very doctrinal statement, as I've said in the past. And let's read this now out of the, the Christian Standard Bible and see how it reads as compared to some of the others. And it goes like this. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lust and to live in a to live in a sensible righteous and godly way in this present age 
while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, most of you are going to notice there's nothing really different here as with, uh, say, New American Standard or uh, English Standard or some others of the um, word-for-word or formal translations dealing with doctrine. It's pretty much the same. Some of the the words um, are just a little different. But let me just give you, um, I mean, for instance, as it says here at the beginning, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. And some word-for-word translations, it says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. You see how they've done this? They've changed the gender um, because it's referring actually to both, but it was using, you know, different words and stuff. So that's that's the thing. But doctrinally, it really does not change anything that you see. Let me just give you a little additional comments here. This Bible is an upgrade, as I stated, stated from the 2010 Holman Christian Standard Bible. But after much review of that Bible, after they printed that, well, the Translation Oversight Committee listened to the readers. They listened to comments and reviews that were being made, and thus they made some changes in it to make it more acceptable. The most notable change that I noticed was to change the use of Yehovah, or Yahweh, back to Lord in capital letters, L-O-R-D, in capital letters. They changed the word tongues. This was interesting, and being that they uh, most of the people on the committee were not charismatic, they changed the word tongues um, in the New Testament when in reference to a spiritual gift to the word languages, um, which is probably one reason why many charismatics do not really, uh, are, are not too thrilled with this translation. They changed the use of the term slave to servant. So not to offend people and to reduce the image of the history of slavery. We've already seen a couple of other translations have done the same. In other words, they tried to be sensitive to genders in the use of pronouns, so not to offend people. That was the purpose of this. The the Translation Oversight Committee attempted to avoid also the appearance of theological bias, but to be honest, when you have over 60% of your committee being Baptist, this is hardly conclusive. Um, even so, even so, there are some very well-known evangelists such as Tony Evans, Alistair Begg, and, and some others that have endorsed uh, the Christian Standard Bible saying it is a very good translation. So it's, a, it's an interesting translation. Um, I, I use it at times. It's not one of my primary ones, but it is one that I use at times. And I think it's a, a pretty accurate translation. It's not a bad Bible whatsoever. Um, It can be a very good study Bible for you. So um, that's the Christian Standard Bible. I hope you enjoyed this one as we've gone through and and looked at another one. I want to thank you so much for for joining me on these. And people um, have come up to me and have told me, hey, I've really been enjoying these translation things. This is clearing up a lot of things that I've always wondered about. And oh, that's the purpose of why we do this. You know, Evidence for Faith is an apologetic ministry, and we're trying to help people see reasons. And when critics in particular say, well, the Bible is the Word of God, how come there's so many different versions and translations? Well, now you're getting evidence to help you in 
in defending your stance on this, that even though there's different translations, they're based on the ancient manuscripts. We're trying to change the ancient manuscripts, ancient languages of ancient Hebrew, uh, Chaldean, and Greek into modern English. That's not the easiest thing to do. Thus, we have a lot of different versions of this. And we're living in a day now where translations, oh my gosh, it's amazing at how many there are. And in this series, we're only doing 20. And there are hosts more. As a matter of fact, I'll in the future here be making references to some others that were not included on the list, like this one today. We talked about the Holman Christian Standard Bible, but um, as the basis of this, but this was the Christian Standard. And I, again, I want to thank you for joining me. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love. Um, we are a, a listener-supported ministry, so we we really would love to have you if you feel God inspired to do so to to join us in our team. Um, and subscribe to our channel and, and help us out in our ministry so that we can take the Word of God freely out to places. And if you would like to have uh, me come and do a presentation at your church or organization, um, be thrilled to do that. Please just contact us at evidenceforfaith.org. So until we meet again, take care and may God bless. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you to our donors who make this program possible. You can help us produce the next course by becoming a donor at evidenceforfaith.org give or use the links in the description. Don't forget to leave a comment, a review, likes, and shares to feed the algorithm and help others find this content. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode.